just tuned in to the Red River Rising. I'm Pastor Mike, along with Brother Rick Salcedo and uh, Eli who? Eli who? Or Eli what? Eli who? I think it's who yeah. we're talking about. Isn't who, that Rick? Yeah, who's on first? That's right. That's right. <laughs> who's on first? Eli who? Eli who? We've been looking at the book of Job here. Today we're going to continue on with our next part of this. And uh, we've been talking about a, a, a prophet, a unique character, a young man, I believe, uh, in the Bible here with the book of Job, Eli who, and what he had to say about what's going on. And Rick, uh, get us started here. Okay, so he uh, was quietly standing by while Job and his three acquaintances um i don't really like to refer to them as friends but yeah. um they were discussing job's situation and then uh, it got to a point where they weren't getting in anywhere so mm-hmm. eli who steps in he's also by the inspiration of the holy spirit steps in to right. speak words yeah. so he he's actually uh god's using him as a prophet um so he he points out the the uh wrong stuff that they were all saying. Right. And then he starts talking about the character and quality of God. And so that's where we're going to pick it up. Chapter 34, verses 19 and 20. And he says, Yet God is not partial to princes, nor does he regard the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. In a moment they die. In the middle of the night, the people are shaken and pass away. The mighty are taken away without a hand. So he he's pointing out that God is so far above man. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that God sees every, you know, God loves everybody. Right. They're all the work of his hands, whether you're rich, poor, you know, strong, weak, uh, humble, mighty, you know, God loves everybody and we're, we're all equal in his sight. What's money you know? got to do with God? Yeah. I mean, what's God going to do with money or influence down here? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, and so we, we, we kind of, judge how god loves us based on how well things are going here on this earth for us you know but we live in a fallen world so why would you want to use the standard of a fallen world to judge you know use the standards of an imperfect world to judge how a perfect god loves you you know so we're to walk by faith and not by sight you know god loves me he loves everybody the same it doesn't matter what your station in life is or you know how many abilities or qualities you have or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, and if you look at it, um, throughout history of the Bible there too, it's repeated over and over that God is no respecter of persons. Right. So, um, you know what, and, and most of the time, uh, those who were used were not used because of their mighty mightiness or influence or wealth. They were used out of their willingness and obedience. And that's all that mattered. And that's really what I tell people today is in the mm-hmm. church setting, um, in ministry period, um, is that uh, don't disqualify yourself because of maybe your upbringing or what you got in your banking account or anything else because those mm-hmm. things don't matter to God. Yeah. Um, what really matters to God is you know what you're what you're willing to to do for him. But anyway, back to he's just not a respecter of persons. Right. Right. And um, so Elihu points out, you know, it doesn't matter how great or how insignificant you are in the eyes of the world. In a moment, you know, we all die. Yeah. You know, so death comes to everybody. You know, if you achieve greatness, that's not going to, you're not going to cheat death or avoid death. Death comes to all humanity, no matter who you are, you know? So, um, so he's establishing that God is so far above humanity, you know, and, um, no matter who you are in the worldly scheme of things, you shouldn't see yourself as greater than anyone else in God's eyes. And you certainly shouldn't see yourself as greater than God. Right. Um, then he goes on to, in chapter 35, verse 16 to say, Therefore Job opens 
and Eli who's saying this. Therefore, Job opens his mouth in vain. He multiplies words without knowledge. So he is admonishing Job, refuting Job's claim that God is punishing Job without cause. You know, yeah, Job didn't do anything wrong, but it's not God that's punishing him. Right. You know, we established that this was Satan had dominion over the earth. And so, you know, once he discovered that the hedge was a protection was down, Mm -hmm. Satan went out and struck Job. Right. Um, so, but Job didn't understand that. So he thought, well, you know, why is God punishing me? And that wasn't the case. And Eli, who is pointing that out, God, you know, isn't punishing you and you, and you're wrongly accusing him. And then, uh, verse chapter 36, verses eight through 12, it says, and if they are bound in fetters held in the cords of affliction, then he tells them their work and their transgression that they have acted defiantly. He also opens their ear to instruction and commands that they turn from iniquity. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if, but if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. So Eli, who here is pointing out God's mercy and compassion, mm-hmm. he, he's pointing out God's desire to uh, confront people who are doing wrong and get them to repent. Mm-hmm. So he says here, you know, if they're bound in feathers, fetters, held in cords of affliction, he tells them their work and their transgression. Because, you know, when we live a lifestyle of sin, we're going to be in bondage. Right. So he's saying those who are in bondage because of sin, God comes and tells them what they're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, again, come, let us reason together. Let's discuss this. You know, God, it's the conviction from God right. that, hey, this isn't right. You really shouldn't be doing this. So he tells them what they're doing wrong. And if they listen to him and repent, then, you know, they're set free and, and they have a life of, you know, uh, righteousness, uh, what is it? Uh, the kingdom of God is righteousness, mm-hmm. peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, so basically he's saying if they repent and embrace God's way, God's kingdom, then they can experience, you know, prosperity, pleasures, you know, peace, joy. He says, but if they don't obey, then they shall perish, you know, and the wages of sin is death. That's right. You know, so he's saying that God compassionately looks for ways to redeem and restore man. Yeah. And, and that's so again, he's clarifying God's nature here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he'll do that for you, whether you're rich or poor, you know, whether you're strong or uh, strong and mighty or weak, you know, and, and, you know, he established that God was no respecter of persons in that previous uh, verses that we talked about. So God is no respecter of persons and he compassionately looks for ways to redeem and restore man. Okay. So that's what he's sharing with them right now. Right. You know, he's, he's emphasizing the quality and character of God's nature. Um, in chapter 36 verses 22 through 26, it says, behold, God is exalted by his power. Who teaches like him? Who has assigned him his way or who has said you have done wrong? Remember to magnify his work, of which men have sung. Everyone has seen it. Man looks on it from afar. Behold, God is great, and we do not and we do not know him, nor can the number of his years be discovered. So Eli, who's pointing out God's greatness and sovereignty over all things, mm-hmm. you know, God is exalted by His power. You know, so He's He's declaring God's the Almighty, and we're just puny humanity. Um, he says, "Who teaches like God? You know who." Our finite minds can't comprehend everything right. that God knows. 
You know, who can teach like him? He knows everything. You know, so he's talking about him being all powerful. Now he's talking about him being all knowing. Um, who has assigned him his way? Or who has, you know, or who has said you have done wrong? So, you know, who, who's, who could delegate anything to God? Yeah. You know, who, who is over him that they can assign anything to him? Nobody. Um, and then, you know, who can admonish him? Nobody, because he is the righteous one. You know, there is no being more righteous and just than God. Yeah. You know, so there's nobody qualified to say, God, you know, you messed up. You did this wrong. You know, you're not behaving right. You know, n- nobody can say that. Yeah. Um, and then in chapter 37, verses 2 through 5, he goes on to say, Hear attentively the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He sends it forth under whole heaven and lightning to the ends of the earth. After it, a voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain them when his voice is heard. God thunders marvelous, marvelously with his voice. He does great things which we cannot comprehend. So here he's just establishing God's majesty, you know, how great he is. He's, you know, he's mightier than the thunders. His voice is thunderous. You know, he's just great. My voice isn't thunderous. <laughs> you know, whose voice is thunderous? You know, right. we, there are some people that have a pretty loud megaphone voice, right. you know, but I think if you heard God speak, like in the Bible, there lots of yep. times when God spoke, they said, well, that sounded like thunder or many waters, right. you know, so, and so God is just so much more majestic than man, mm-hmm. you know, than we are. Cause we're, but you know, let's be, Without the Spirit of God, we're just dust. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, that's right. all we are. That's right. We're just dust. Uh, but God is, you know, almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful. And here Eli, who is emphasizing his majesty, yeah. how great he is. And then if we go down to uh, chapter, we'll jump back to chapter 34, verse 35. He says, um, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without wisdom. Job spoke wrongly. His friend spoke wrongly. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, sorry no yeah, to yeah I read a verse and then I started reading my my comments as verses. I, I'm sorry. Let me go back and say that again. All right. So in verse 34, uh, or chapter 34, verse 35, uh, it says, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without wisdom. Period. Period. Yeah. That, that's the Holy Scriptures yeah. right there. Okay. Right. Now, this is Rick's comments. <laughs> Uh, so he's saying here basically that Job spoke wrongly and his friends uh, also spoke wrongly. And uh, we kind of established that uh, a few minutes ago. So they speak wrongly. Uh, Eli, who's speaking under the uh, anointing and influence of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So um, if we establish that Job spoke wrongly and his friends spoke wrongly, is it wise to take anything that they've said in the previous chapters and make it a New Testament doctrine. Right, no. So we, we've got to be careful about that. Because remember, a lot of things they, you know, they said God's great. Right. God judges. You know, God does this, God, and all those are true, but they're not really in the right context. Right. You know, so we have to be careful, uh, about using anything up to this point in the book of Job, um, to establish any kind of doctrine. Right. And, I agree with that. and, uh, you know, this might make some people mad because I know they, they embrace this, but, to, this is one of the examples uh, God gives and God takes away. Mm-hmm. Job said that. Yeah. 
you know, when, when he was, when his possessions were afflicted by Satan, you know, Job said, God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, Job was correct in praising God and worshiping God, no matter what his circumstances were. You know, that was, that's, that's a spot on thing to glean from that. But to say God gives and God takes away, I think is, is a misinterpretation of the Bible. God's not an Indian giver, right? Excuse me. And, you know, in politically incorrect statement, but that's that's right. He doesn't give something to you and go, "Oh, do you enjoy that?" Ah, I'm gonna yank it back from you now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. well, it says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Yeah, and um, also uh, all good gifts come from from God above. Now, I think I just kind of uh, I didn't quote that exactly, but right. that's yep. basically what it says. Yeah, and um, so if God gives us a gift, like if God gives me a hundred thousand dollars. And I go to the casino and squander it. Mm-hmm. Should I say, well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away? Right. You know, mm-hmm. no, God gave and I squandered, yep. you know, right. and we can squander away God's anointings and his gifts and his callings by not living right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because, you know, sin is dark yeah. and the more we sin, even if we're just playing around with a pet sin, we're creating darkness around us. That's right. And the more darkness we create around us, the more room the Prince of Darkness has to operate in our lives. Good point, Rick. And so, you know, a lot of times the Lord gives and we give it up. We allow Satan to take it or we allow the negative consequences of our sins to take it away or to uh, muffle it in our lives, you know, where we could have used that anointing far greater than what we did, you know. Because of the circumstances we created, you know, uh, God puts an anointing on your life. Let's say, uh, you know, uh, any kind of anointing yeah. and you live, you know, you, you're not living right. Well, people are going to look at you. You're not going to have credibility with people, you know? So even at times when you use God's anointing, yeah. it's muffled. That's it's right. not going to have the impact that it could have had if you were living according to God's way. So, you know, that's just an exa- one example of, you know, something that I think was gleaned out of the book of Job, kind of became a doctrine or a mini doctrine, and I just don't think it's quite accurate. Sure. So we have to be careful about that. What is it? Well, you, you know, in your studies, uh, you've read where it said there should be at least two scriptures before you. Yeah, so it needs to be repeated in the Bible more than once for it to become doctrine, right? So, yeah. And, um, and, and, and then. It, Three or more. <laughs> yeah, personally, I would like, you know, That's six, right. seven, eight, nine, because right. then there's no doubt about yeah, it. Three or more is really stands on, you know, firm doctrine that this is what has come through, but at least it has to be repeated twice in the Bible yeah. and, and under the context because, right. you know, uh, different writers that were written from different points of views, even if you look at the Gospels, you know, yeah. Um, each one of the, the, the writers of the Gospels didn't have the same background, and they wrote to a different audience even even then. Yeah, so. and, and, you know, different times in history right. with different societies, they had different ways of thinking. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. so... You're talking thousands of years. Yes. You know, look at America. Different cultures. And, and as young as we are, right? And yeah. the cultural change we've seen here in just a few hundred years. Right. Now, you apply, apply that into something over thousands of years, you can see where yeah. writings from the 1920s are not even the same perceptions, perceptions that we would have of reading those during the 20 
Yeah, yeah a hundred years later. Yeah, a hundred years later. Yeah, let yeah. alone four thousand years later. That's exactly right. Yeah, That's exactly right. So we need to make sure that we're looking at these things in context where they're also repeated through because God doesn't make mistakes now. So if he wants it to come through, he's going to say it more than once. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we want to point out the word of God is infallible. It's that's perfect. Right. But right. our perception and understanding of it is what's flawed. And but that's why remember. we have all these different opinions. Yeah. And it just breaks my heart when Satan can use that right. to get us to fight against each other. When I remember that even goes back to the own Jewish people. That's why they rejected Jesus, because that their interpretation of Isaiah was is that it was going to be the new kingdom established now. Right. Remember, the yeah. disciples even asked Jesus, is that when when he's talking about I'm going to you know, be crucified and ascend? Well, is that when you're going to establish the new, you know, uh, rule? You know, for Jerusalem, yeah. you know, the misinterpretation of scriptures misguided a whole, you know, nation of people. Yeah. That, really. That whole generation. That's exactly right. So yeah. when Jesus came in, it was, he had to show them how he was the fulfillment of the scriptures and the right application of it in context of how he did fulfill it through the law and so on and so forth, which yeah. thank the Lord then that we had the New Testament after that. To show us and illuminate that into our daily lives, right. how it you know actually applies to us. So yeah. So what they didn't know was God inserted the age of grace. That's right. Um, Man, we talked about this before. Yeah, in between the time of the Messiah coming mm-hmm. and when the messianic age will be established. That's correct. That's and right. so, and I think we're at the end of that age of grace. I think we're coming very close yes, to it. Are. So we need to be as you know more vigilant now than ever. Amen to that. Yes, sir, brother. Yeah. Yes, sir. So uh, getting back to Job, um, now things get really exciting. You know, you, you had these self-righteous people show up and wrongly accuse Job and just kind of blow a lot of hot air and, and all that. And then uh, then a prophet shows up. Well, that's pretty exciting. Right. A prophet shows up and kind of sets the record straight. Um, but now it gets really exciting because God shows up and speaks from a whirlwind. But if you want to find out about that, you'll have to join us next time. So until we see you again, prepare your heart for the coming revival.